Ladies and gentlemen. Ali, a sneaky right hand. Another sneaky right hand. This time he works over the shoulder. Plenty of terrible Tuesday thoughts today, as you know. We're gonna make this our terrible Olympic Tuesday. You down for that, Frank? I got an Olympic story. All right, good. A little uh, disappointing Olympic terrible Tuesdays. That's what, that's what we'll go with. There. We hit a couple of them yesterday, but there were some nice shining moments as well. Not to be confused with the NCAA tournament, but uh, it's terrible Tuesday, so we got to vent our frustrations. What upsets us in the sporting world? So we'll do that. In a little bit. Glad to have you with us on this Tuesday, T.C. Martin, Ballpark Frank, Numbchuck on the other side of the glass, pushing some of the right buttons occasionally. We'll see how you do today, my friend. We'll grade you at the end of the show. All right. Also, uh, today, Steve Sachs will join us. We talk a little Major League Baseball, all things MLB with Saxy into the second half of the season as we're coming down to crunch time, pennant races. Trading deadline has come and gone. Some teams improved. Some teams did not, obviously. We'll get Saxy's thoughts on all that. And I'm sure we'll talk a little Saxy in the morning and uh, his uh, new podcast uh, that's going on as well, too, which I, I still fully don't understand why he does the uh, the, the vignettes, the little, little, little small things that are like less than a minute. And then he'll do some long form programming as well too. But well, because to each he, his own. He's a he's a ball player, and between yeah. innings, you only have a certain amount of time. Yeah. So you need a you know a quickie sax. <laughs> quickie sax. <laughs> <laughs> All right, just just don't say sax in the afternoon during this show, okay? I'll try not to. Oh yeah, no afternoon delight today. With the Starland vocal terrible band. song, just, just awful. Jeez, was that horrible? And you know what's going to happen now? You know. Wait, you think it's awful too? I never did like that song. We agree on something musically. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Mark this date down in history. <laughs> Listen, we, we have agreed on numerous things. I mean, you you came to my world with Motown yes. last week. So don't say that we don't. Because we went through this before, yeah. and we went from like maybe no, I, 10% I, up to about 27%. Yeah. No, I actually do like some of your music. I'm just, more often, I'm listening to rock. I understand. And I like rock, just so you know. I like just as much rock. As you do. As a matter of fact, if you want to turn the tables a little bit, and, will you turn off that bloody stuff? Jeez. If you would make a rock and roll list, then we'll see what percentage that I like okay. of your music. I'd imagine it's probably quite a bit. It is. Unless you're going off into the Megadeth stuff. Now, that's not me. I'll, I'll tell you right now. I, what I don't do is the Megadeth, the grunge. And Metallica? Uh, what in, about Metallica? In, in, in country, really don't do that. No, not not really Metallica. Okay, that's a little too. I mean, too I'm much. not into like the real death metal and thrash yeah. metal and stuff like that. Is it Metallica that though? Not, not really. Not they're, really. They're, they're just like heavy metal, hard. Okay. You know, hard rock for sure. Okay. But. I'm I'm into the classic rock. Obviously, the crossover rock. So, you know, love the the 70s and 80s rock, big time. That hence the the classic rock, but. Yeah, was, 60s? 60s too old for you? Oh, no, no, no. I love Cause, that. Because I love the rock it. of the 60s yeah. because that rock actually had 
meaning and purpose and lyrics yes. and everything else. I even All go, the protest songs and yeah. everything else. I'll even go back to the 50s. Again, yeah, I told you the greatest soundtrack for me of all time is American Graffiti. It's a great soundtrack. Yeah, it's a great soundtrack. And again, they, they dipped, even though the slogan was, where were you in 62? They dipped into the 50s. You know, I think they, they had tunes basically from 57 to about 64 on that soundtrack. Yeah. So, yeah, love all that stuff. And in 62, there were probably still songs from the late 50s and that that were still popular, very Absolutely. popular back then. Yeah. So. Okay. And, I mean, they had a Wolfman Jack, so you had to get some of that stuff of in there. You know, had the Platters. The Platters had a lot of hits, you know, in the 50s, late 50s as well. You, you know, obviously into the 60s as well, too. So Only you would bring that up. Only <laughs> you. Should we get Sonny Turner on again? <laughs> Dougie Duop's listening right now. It's like, Can you get Sonny Turner on again? Was Dougie on today? Is, he, is, is Dougie he, back? Is he still back? September 7th. September 7th. There it is. Boy, talk about a guy taking a vacation. Wow. You want to be Dougie Duop, don't you? Wow. I mean, you're sitting here giving me a bad time. I take two days off He's like for a four day weekend. Belinda Carlisle. <laughs> Didn't the go go sing vacation? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's see. That see, I can listen to, but I can listen to Well, maybe I'm not once. a fan of that. Yeah. I just remember some songs were on so often, especially when MTV actually played music, that you just couldn't help but hear them. Only Here we go. The platters. Can do make others My guy Sonny Turner. Las Vegas' very own. There he is. Well he didn't grow up here, but he's lived here for many, many decades. You used to see Sonny Turner back in the day, right? Because he used to perform everywhere. I think I may have seen him once at the old Sahara. Yeah, he's been everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Matter of fact, prior to the pandemic, he was still playing. So last time I saw him at one of your places, actually, uh, one of the places that you frequent, the Sun Coast. Last time I saw him, okay. could have been one of his last performances about two, In two, the three Sun years Coast ago. Showroom there, That's yes, a nice little showroom. It's a nice showroom, yeah, it's a nice little showroom. And he still did the splits. Well, I mean, I you know. When, in his 80s. When you're the lead singer from the Platters, you expect him to serve it up. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, breaking news. We start today talking about. Earl Spence Jr., Manny Pacquiao, fight for next Saturday night at T-Mobile Arena has been called off. Now, there still will be a card, but Earl Spence Jr. came to town for uh, to finish up his training, went through his mandatory physical with the Nevada State Athletic Commission doctors yesterday, and they found a torn retina in his eye. And they said, Earl Spence Jr., you cannot fight. This fight is off. So uh, uh, Spence uh, flew back home today to have surgery. He's actually going to have surgery on the eye tomorrow. But he didn't notice there was a problem with the eye? Well, here's the deal. Uh, Spence isn't talking. So we're just getting news from uh, the publicist, uh, you know, his publicist, and and regarding uh, the fight from Al Heyman's uh, group from Premier Boxing. And, uh, again, Spence did not have any quote. Manny Pacquiao had a quote. We'll give that to you here in a minute. Um, promoters had, had quotes, but Earl Spence Jr. is not saying anything. I definitely have to believe that he knew something was up. Th- if you have a torn retina, this had to happen during training camp. This, is, this didn't happen the, the last time he fought. You know, this is you know, against uh, what Danny Garcia. This happened, had to have happened in training camp. So something was probably up here. Uh, thought he could maybe get away with it. We've seen boxers do this before, as we know, both boxing and UFC, where they don't want to lose that big payday. They don't want to waste all that time. You know, Spence has been training the past eight, nine weeks, and uh, he did not pass uh, the test, and they did a deep dive into the eye, saw the torn retina, and they said, no, we're not going to allow you to fight. And I think a lot of this, you know, they're being very, very careful from, you know, the last situation we just went through, you know, uh, you know, with the McGregor situation with UFC and recent boxing things, where you know fighters have, you know, had these uh, some some you know catastrophic injuries here. You have to wonder a little bit too, is if this isn't in Nevada where they have such a diligent staff looking at everything and making sure that fighters are ready to go. If this was someplace else, would they have maybe not come up with this, and would that fight be on? I totally think that would be the scenario. There's no doubt. And the Nevada State Athletic Commission is going to be very, very cautious and careful because, remember, when Floyd Mayweather Jr. fought Manny Pacquiao, 
both of these guys were injured and both got through the athletic commission test. Pacquiao had the shoulder. Obviously, Pacquiao did not want to give up the fight because he thought he could win the fight. And if you remember, he had shoulder surgery three days after the fight was over. And uh, there was some big controversy there. And then also Mayweather had some controversy uh, you know, during that time with his hand that uh, they thought, okay, that he could have had an injured hand going into that fight as well. But, you know, that fight, as you know, in 2015, had like five years too late. It was like four or five years in the making, so they were not about to call it off. So I think now, I think the commission, I'm not saying they're, they weren't doing their due diligence before, but now I think, you know, they're going to be very, very careful. And, you know, it, if you look at an eye injury, this is something that can be detected, you know, rather simple. And they, they noticed it, and they said, no, we don't think it's safe for you to fight. So now Spence goes back on the shelf. This is not the first time that Earl Spence Jr. has been on the shelf because when he fought Sean Porter, uh, that fight was delayed before. Uh, then, remember, after that fight, Spence got into the automobile accident where many thought that that could have been actually fatal, going over 100 miles an hour in, in, in crashing on the side of the road. Uh, didn't fight for nearly over a year after that. You know, when he came back and, and won his last fight, he's been very, very inactive. So uh, this fight definitely is is off. However, Manny Pacquiao will be fighting against uh, Jardinus Ugas. And Ugas was actually on the undercard of this fight. He was in the co-main. Ugas is the WBA champ. So actually, Manny Pacquiao is still getting to fight for a title. And how ironic this is, because this is the belt that Manny Pacquiao actually one, when he fought Keith Thurman the last time he fought two years ago, but because of the inactivity and everything, Ugas fought for this belt. Ugas won uh, this belt, and now he's going to step in for Spence to fight Pacquiao Saturday night, August 21st at T-Mobile Arena. So the guy who really is the biggest loser in this, besides Spence who can't do the fight, is Ugas' his opponent who... Now is watching his guy go up and fight Pacquiao. Yeah. Now, I'm sure Maidana, who who Ugas was going to fight, um, he will get a chance to also still fight on the card as well because he's been training. And that's the right thing to do. So Right, but it won't be yeah. for a belt, and will it still be? If they can call yeah. it a co-main event, but yeah. it's not but really. I, but what they usually do, and I know that Bob Arum has done this, when situ- and again, I can't speak the way Al Heyman is going to operate here. But obviously, you know, um, Maidana's purse against Ugas would be fairly substantial since it's the co-main event. Now he'll probably fight a lesser opponent. I'm sure he's going to get his same pay. And probably an easier opponent for him as well, too, if they can find an opponent here. But not a belt on the line. Probably not. No. Yeah, so. No. No belt. Exactly. And again, I mean, I, I know it's that things happen happens, in there. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It, it's just uh, un- it, unfortunately, it's it's the luck of the draw, and mm-hmm. that's why no matter whenever you go to any, pretty much mm-hmm. sporting event, but certainly boxing card or combat sport card, it says card subject to change. Absolutely. Yeah. So Ugasa was in the co-main against Fabian uh, Maidana. Some hopefully Maidana still gets a payday, stays in the card. But Ugasa, this is a great situation for him because now he's getting the chance to fight. Uh, Manny Pacquiao and his payday obviously will increase now and uh, good for Pacquiao that he is going to still be able to fight and he agreed to fight Ugas now if people are thinking like hey you know wow good for Manny Pacquiao because now he's going to get easy victory don't think that because Sean Porter fought Ugas and that was a very competitive fight and I was one of those guys that thought hey you know this is going to be I don't want to say easy for Sean, but you know it was basically like a tune-up fight for him. And Ugas was very, very tough. Ugas was actually on an eight-fight winning streak before he fought Porter in that fight. And then after he lost to Porter, uh, Ugas, I don't believe he's lost since that fight when they fought in March of uh, 2019. So um, the fight is, you know, actually the card is going to go on at T-Mobile Arena next Saturday night. But now it'll be interesting to see what happens with attendance because i'm sure you know this this fight was going to come close to selling out with Spence and Pacquiao because the presale was was pretty darn good it'll be interesting to see if they offer refunds which i'm sure they will you know they're they're really good about that and how many people will take that up with a refund and now will there be a lower ticket price for Pacquiao Ugas 
Well, and the other thing, too, when you talk about, uh, you know, oh, Pacquiao, some people might think it's an easier fight. He's been training for Spence this whole time. Mm -hmm. Now he's got to fight a guy in less than a week that he hasn't been training for him. He might know something about him, but all of his focus has been on training for a fight in one specific way against Spence. You guys, and I don't know that much about him, but even if he's similar to Spence, it's still not the same training and that sort of stuff. Everybody's seen Manny Pacquiao fight a lot, so if you'd say that there's a surprise factor or something like that, you'd have to think maybe you guys is going into this figuring, well, you know what? Manny doesn't really know me that well. He he doesn't know what to expect. I've seen every one of his fights. I know what to expect. So maybe there is a slight advantage from that standpoint as well. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, so this is going to be a, a, a competitive fight. And again, you know, when, when Pacquiao is training to fight Earl Spence, I mean, he's training to fight a southpaw. And Ugas is a conventional fighter. He's a right-hander. So, so there's he, a huge difference right off the bat. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they fight different type of styles. I mean, Ugas is a guy. That's what made the Porter-Ugas fight entertaining because, like Sean, Ugas can come in there and mix it up. I mean, he'll, he'll get physical. But uh, I don't know if you saw any video of Pacquiao training with Freddie Roach in some of the sessions. But, I mean, Manny just put on – he was outside – over the weekend uh, down in L.A., and he did like a little outdoor, you know, kind of workout session, and there were thousands of people around, and Manny was just, the speed that you saw with Manny Pacquiao, nothing's changed, my friend. I mean, it is the same lightning quick speed. I don't know, maybe Earl Spence saw that and, uh, you know, got a little eye injury. I I don't know, but this was going to be a, a competitive fight, and I know a lot of people still are kind of down on Manny Pacquiao, uh, because of his age, but then you know Manny kind of fought his way back in a, in in I'd say probably the general public's perception when you know he defeated uh, you know those opponents leading up to this. I mean, especially when he defeated Keith Thurman, and uh, Manny was fantastic in that. But unfortunately, the pandemic happened, and then here we go. I mean, he he was looking fantastic for those three fights you know during that time frame. So yeah, and Freddie Roach even said himself that this fight. Because it's two years later than the last time he's been in the ring, he is a little concerned, especially fighting a guy like Spence. So we'll see what happens. But I'm glad the fight is still on because, again, Manny Pacquiao, let's be clear here. You can say what you want about Earl Spence Jr., but Manny Pacquiao is the draw. Oh, absolutely. He is the draw here. People are, and I don't expect a lot of people maybe to get refunds unless there's a price you know, decrease or something like that and there's a refund involved in that and getting their tickets. But if you get a chance to see Manny Pacquiao fight, you go see Manny Pacquiao fight. He is the A-list. He is the A-side of this fight. And say what you want about Spence, undefeated, phenomenal fighter. Some people think, you know, best pound for pound. Bottom line is people were coming to see Manny Pacquiao. Yeah, Manny Pacquiao is the one that sells the tickets for it. The only problem I've ever had with Manny Pacquiao is when he loses a fight that he probably won, like the one that he fought down with the uh, the Australian guy years ago, and he just kind of smiled and said, oh, well, you know, it's like... It, it, I wish he'd get more mad and throw a little bit more of a temper tantrum than that when he gets screwed in the ring. Right. Because it's like, dude, you won the fight, and they just took the belt from you, and you're like, well, I'm still going to get paid. I still get to help people in the Philippines and that, you know? Still have my health. The sun's shining. It's a good day. It's like, no! No! But, you know, all these other athletes only care about themselves. You literally just got it handed to you, and you're fine with it. No. The guy doesn't complain, man. That's Get just mad. his demeanor. I know. I know, but it tries, yeah. especially for a boxer, you'd think if yeah. anybody would be the one that would complain and yeah. want to punch somebody out, but he just smiles yeah. and says, well, I mean, I thought I won, but, you know, yeah. they saw it differently. Yeah, that's true. We've seen that in bad decisions that he's got or even uh, you know, fights that have been postponed or canceled or that sort of thing. I mean, again, with the Mayweather thing, I mean, he really pushed the buttons. Him and Freddie Roach pushed those buttons to fight Mayweather, you know, going back to 2010 and 2011, 2012. And they said, well, okay. Floyd says, well, now I'll fight you. You know, thinking you're a little over the hill. And I said, oh, okay. And again, never said anything about the shoulder. He was in he was in pain leading up to that, and he kept it to himself, never told anybody anything. He didn't come into the press conference afterward and says, Well, my shoulders hurt me. Somebody got word about it, and they asked Floyd about it. Floyd, oh, no excuses, this, that. And then, you know, then Manny came out, and, you know, they said, Well, yeah, you know, I've, I've had it, but no, no excuses here. And he had every reason to make an excuse. 
It, yeah, it, because it wasn't an excuse. It was actually a fact. It was 100%, 100%. reality. It wouldn't have been making an excuse. It would have been stating the facts going into the fight. Yeah. Yes, I was hurt and injured, but I made the decision I was going to go on because I thought I could still beat him, and Correct. I wanted the paycheck and everything else. Right. You know, Unlike somebody like Conor McGregor who says, oh, well, the commission knew that my leg was hurt before I got in the cage. No, they did. If they would have, they wouldn't have let you fight. Totally different guys. <laughs> and, and that's why I use the comparison. Right. So It's here, not apples and oranges. It's apples and cantaloupes so, so, or something. So speaking of that, here is Manny Pacquiao's quote from today. Uh, you know, what's, you know, he got the news. He goes, first and foremost, I ask everyone to join me in praying for a full and complete recovery for Earl Spence Jr. Thank God his physical examination discovered his eye condition before he suffered any further damage. I have agreed to fight... Jordinus Ugas on August the 21st of the WBA Welterweight Super... Uh, he goes, the WBA Su- uh, Welterweight Super Championship. Of course, he means the Super Welterweight, but you know, a little language barrier there. The uh, proper way and the only way to win a world title is inside the ring. Manny Pacquiao, just the class guy that he is. You know, wanting prayers for Earl Spence Jr. Uh, Earl Spence did... Uh, just recently come out and uh, released this statement. He goes, I'm very disappointed that I won't be able to fight Manny Pacquiao on August 21st. I was excited about the fight and the event. Unfortunately, the doctors found a tear in my left eye, uh, said I needed to get surgery on it ASAP, and there was no way I could fight with my eye in that condition. I'd like to apologize to everyone. You know I'll be back as soon as I can. Uh, we've come back from worse. And we know that's true, too. I mean, coming back from that automobile accident. But it's still got to be a little bit scary anytime you're going in for surgery on the eye. No. Be- because even though I know, I know there's a ton of doctors out there and with LASIK and everything else, there's so many people that get a lot of stuff done. But when they're messing with the eye, there's still very little, almost no room for error. Mm-hmm. So that's still a, a dicey situation that you got to have a little bit of butterflies in your stomach about, I would assume. Yeah, no, there's no question about that. I mean, any type of surgery, but spe- specifically the eye. And again, you know, boxers are kind of used to that. I mean, one of the, you know, with one of the basic examinations for a boxer is the eye test. I mean, more so than anything else. So they're used to, you know, getting their eye, you know, poked around and that sort of thing. And a lot of these guys have had surgeries on their eye, and they've come back to, to fight exceptionally well. So and like you said, it, it's pretty much a standard procedure. But for guys like us, I mean, I know me, I cringe at, at, at the time. I mean, I turned down free LASIK surgery, you know, just to like to do endorsements. You know, we get that opportunity yeah. with, with in, in radio, obviously, a lot. And, uh, hey, we'll give you free eye surgery. All we need you to do is, is, is talk about it, and we'll, we'll take care of everything. And I said no, just because for what you just said, I, I'm afraid of the surgery. Yeah, I, you know, I, And I didn't think that I you know, totally needed it at the time, and I did a little homework on it. But I said, you know, I'll pass. Go find somebody else. <laughs> Yeah, I actually did do the LASIK years okay. ago from from a local place, and um, you know, and it, it was funny because I remember the day I did the surgery, and they're like, "Dude, you just seem too relaxed." I'm like, "I'm like, look, I'll be honest with you, because you know my demeanor a little bit more." I was like, "I just want to get this damn thing over with, so <laughs> let's just go in there, get the laser out, and see what happens." Yeah, they yeah. said, "Well, you know what?" I'm like, "At this point, I don't care. I just want to get it over with." Did it improve your sight, eyesight? Did you, did oh, you notice? Oh, it, it totally did at it first. Did. Yeah. I'm now I got mono vision because there's different things you can do. So that means like one of my eyes sees distance, the other one sees close in that. Okay. Like the first time I took a driver's test afterwards when I had to do the eye thing, in the one eye, the guy's like, wait a second, can you try to read that line again? And I'm like, well, I, I had LASIK and I had mono. He goes, oh, okay, yeah, that's fine. And it's like, because okay. I didn't realize it, the extreme difference it was until I actually had it done. It, looking back in it, I almost kind of wish I wouldn't have had the mono because it is such a difference in that. But, no, I mean, I'm glad I had it in that. But now it was so many years ago now that now I notice sometimes, again, I do have to look things up a little bit more, kind of check them out and that. So, And they were like, well, it doesn't. I mean, you might have to get it tweaked and tuned up every so many years in that. It's like, didn't remember you saying that in the original consultation, but it's it's all good. <laughs> but, no, but it definitely helped because I, I, was, I had cheap reading glasses in that and, I mean, I was getting headaches all the time and everything because my eyes were so bad. So I'm glad I got it done. But, um, but yeah, it's a trip. I mean, the first time when you open your eyes and all of a sudden you can see again, it's like things that I hadn't seen for years. Like, yeah, I remember brushing my teeth that next morning and looking at the toothpaste and going, holy crap, I can see every word on there. Right. <laughs> and I couldn't before looking at a phone book going, is that a six, an eight, a three? 
out of hell with that. I don't need to call that person back, yeah. which I just showed how long ago it was because I said looking in a phone book. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, a little disappointed that we're not going to see Pacquiao Spence. Uh, that's probably going to uh, affect, uh, we're going to do the, the radio show from the MGM you know, next week as well, too, because that was a big fight. And uh, you know, it tends to happen where they scale back promotions when you don't you know, have that fight. So it'll be interesting uh, to see what happens uh, with that as well, too. But the fight will go on next Saturday night at T-Mobile Arena, and we know it will be Manny Pacquiao now against uh, Urdinas Ugas, and a belt is on the line, WBA championship. But it will be a good fight. It will be an entertaining fight. So fight fans are a little disappointed you're not going to see Spence and Pacquiao. At least you get to see Manny Pacquiao against a very good uh, you know, world-class opponent. So there it is, next, next Saturday, T-Mobile Arena. And uh, we'll continue to talk uh, about this. Hopefully, uh, to get, if not Manny, get Freddie Roach on next week. I love having Freddie on. And uh, Freddie will probably definitely have plenty of thoughts uh, about this, the outspoken Freddie Roach. But uh, just a great guy and uh, a great friend as well. All right, till we come back, we'll talk a little Major League Baseball. Steve Sachs is going to join us. We start looking at the pennant races. We'll get uh, Sachs' thoughts on that and a whole lot more coming your way. TJ Reeves will join us next hour. And of course, it is Tuesday, so we do have. Our terrible Tuesday takes. <laughs> Logic and insanity mixed into a perfect prescription from the Dr. T.C. Martin. California. Major League Baseball stretch run, as I like to say. For some teams, I guess, dog days of summer. No question. All right. Steve Sachs joins us. MLB Radio Network and catch him on XM89 and of course the world popular podcast of Sacks in the Morning I'd say probably five days a week is that right Steve Sacks what's going on man uh, hey what's up TC well uh, right now it's three days a week on the short uh, program and we have the long version program every other Thursday and our next one we have Mr. Steve Garvey that Steve Garvey will be our guest. So, yes, we are ripping, rocking, and rolling. And the more people from from uh, Las Vegas that sign up and listen, they're going to like it. Facts in the morning. Listen to it before work. It'll benefit you. There it is. Give me a little taste of uh, what we had uh, the, the last couple mornings when I wake up and I and I hear the words oh, yeah. of wisdom from when Steve Sachs speaks. Well, you hear lots of different ones. It depends on what the subject matter is, of course. But we've had the we've had the uh, the uh, the sign uh, that I, I had this dream uh, in during my life several times, and it became a reality when I walked into Dodger Stadium and saw this dream that I've been having as a kid. Uh, this, it was just like a snapshot of a part of the stadium that I'd never been to, and realized that this was uh, this was happening to me all through my life, and I didn't even know it. So. You got to listen to it to kind of get the gist of it, but that's one thing. We talk about uh, we talk about money. We talk about uh, you know retirement planning. We talk about uh, the, we talk about how sports people are wimping out today. The wimpification of the American sportsman. We got that in there. We got uh, we got lots of different things. The byline of the facts in the morning is sports, money, and life. Those are the kind of the three areas that we cover. We got Mike Kowalski, the former drummer of the Beach Boys is going to be my next guest. We have John Sarson of Sarson Fund, which is the top crypto company in the world, actually in the United States, is going to be one of our guests uh, from Sarson Fund. You know, cryptocurrency is huge. Yeah. And he's going to tell us how it all works. And so those are a couple of guests that we're going to be having coming up on Sachs in the morning. And I can tell you, uh, Steve Sachs is, is one of those guys. He's very diversified when it comes to that. Uh, the business world and the finance world, all that sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah, I was a financial consultant for 10 years yep. uh, at, the, at the Royal Bank of Canada. And now I'm kind of going by way of the crypto world because I think the future, a lot of the future is going to be in cryptocurrency. And so that's, that's why I'm really exploring that big time. So when you have the drummer on, is that show going to be Sax on the Beach? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we, we. I think we're going to do is we're going to rattle people's cages. And we're going to have the quake on. We're going to bring the quake back. You bring, know what I mean? Bring the quake back. There he is. Oh yeah, quake. The, quake would love to talk. Back. He'd love to talk some music and some food with you. 
There it is. Yeah, well, that's right. That's right. We'll do we'll do tones of rumbling in the background and have the quake on. I think what you should, uh, on that show, you know, with the Beach Boy drummer, I mean, you know, you should have the Quake on that episode because you'd have a beach whale there as well, too. <laughs> oh, wow. That's me. I think the Quake nickname, his nickname should be Richter. <laughs> no, it, it would have been mean if TC said when he was on the show that people were trying to throw him back in the water. That would be mean. Oh, yes, right. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, you know, one time I remember the Quake asked me, he said, I had an off day, and he asked me if I'd meet him down there at Laguna Beach, you know, and he said, just come on down there, come on down to Laguna Beach, I'll meet, I'll meet you there, I'll meet you there in the morning, like 11 o'clock. Well, I got there a little bit early. I got there at 1030, and I noticed the Quake was the only one down there because it was early, you know, and he had one of those French bikinis, uh, bathing suits on. You know, the, the really high-waisted yeah. kind the guys wear over in France. And the Quake had one on. And, I, and then out of nowhere, out of nowhere, out of the bushes, six people from Greenpeace came up and tried to roll them back in the water. <laughs> it was unbelievable. <laughs> if, you think, if you think that went bad for him, you should have seen the time he went to SeaWorld. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can guarantee you, I don't know if you still have, if you got any photos of, of that session there, Steve, but he had the L.A. Dodger logo right there uh, over the little private part there as well, too. Yes, he did. He did. They, they used the infield park for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can only hope that Quake is listening to this. That's there it is. terrible. Yeah, it is That's terrible. terrible. And you're, the, you're, the, you're the one that brought you. Do you want to blame me saying I'm mean? I mean, you're the one that just uh, brought it up and rolled with it. Outstanding. Outstanding. The quake, the quake isn't here to the quake isn't here to defend himself, so we can't be mean, mean to the quake. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Whatever. Hey man, speaking of Dodger Stadium, uh, let's go back last week, man. We're you know the Astros were in town. Uh, I was talking to Dusty. Mm-hmm. You know we we saw the TV broadcast and everything, but we didn't see really what was happening. He counted about six. Of the those stupid inflatable garbage cans that were thrown on there, there were numerous fights in the stands. He saw this kid had a Jose Altuve, you know, jersey, and this family were sitting near the Astros dugout, and these guys were pelting him, you know, with peanuts and M and M's in this in this sort of thing. Uh, the PA announcer actually made an announcement. Never heard a the Dodger PA announcer make an announcement where he told people to refrain from not only throwing objects on the field but also using a vulgar language as well too i mean all that's going down my friend and then on sunday i don't know if you you heard this or not but then some goofball runs on the field i I don't know where he got on from you know the behind third base or left field he did a mad dash going uh, into right field and then uh he was intervened by the ball girl down the right field line what is going on (laughs) at your dodger stadium by the way, she made a nice tackle on that. She flipped him over the railing, and then that, because that's when the security finally caught up. Yeah. He was blown by all the security. Yeah. She went down yeah. and made a nice form tackle, getting ready for football season. Uh, in wrestling, yeah. uh, that would be called the that would be called the cross body block, where they go over the shoulder and then yeah. Yeah, they do the flip. There, there yeah. you go. Well, my sister, my sister, when we were growing up, is uh, what was quite the tomboy. My youngest sister, Tammy, uh, and she uh, she had a football out, uh, uniform with my brother and I, and she used to tackle my friends in the football games that we have. So, I mean, you know, they can do it. You know, women can tackle, and they're my sister. I saw my sister do it all the time. So, um, you know, kudos to them. Good for them. But, look, I mean, the, 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 the public seems to be still wanting their pound of flesh, right, for the cheating incident. They, uh, they really didn't get their, their due because COVID wiped out a year where they were, didn't have to face the wrath of the public. Uh, and and so I think after this year goes by, it will kind of subside. I think Dusty's the perfect manager for this situation because he wasn't part of this, uh, and so he can kind of, you know, kind of blunt a lot of the things that are happening by saying, "Hey, I wasn't even part of this. So you guys need to take a step back and take a take a deep breath." But uh, so you know, I, it's not as bad as I thought it might have been. But I think the year away because of COVID and the fact that Dusty's there kind of kind of, you know, mitigates a lot of the issues that might have come about, came, come about. You know, four guys, okay, three everyday players. That's all that is on that Houston Astros roster right now. 
And, yeah. and, and, mm-hmm. and again, these fans are so ignorant. Steve, I saw them boo a guy who had his second career at bat. He came up to pinch hit in the ninth inning, and the, and the Dodger fans were booing this guy mercilessly. I mean, they're going crazy on yeah. this guy. It's like, I mean, basically, you got you had Altuve, Correa, uh, you know, Bregman, and you had Lance McCullers. That's the only guys mm-hmm. that are left over on this roster. Yeah. And uh, they want to boo everybody. Yeah, they want to boo true. Michael Brantley. He was in Cleveland, for goodness sakes. <laughs> Michael Brantley is like the nicest guy in the world. I don't know why they yeah. boo him. But uh, remember that, uh, that, that this is not the worst that happens. I remember in Philadelphia years ago, on Christmas Day, the Philadelphia Eagles game, they booed Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah. Okay, So if you're booing Santa Claus, I mean, you will. You they throw snowballs at them too. I mean, that's pretty bad. So at least we're not down to the fact where you're booing Santa Claus. And this will pass. This will after this season's over, it'll be gone. There he is. So give us some of your memorable moments uh, as a player, or even as a coach. I don't know if they're memorable or not, but just uh, you know, severe booing incidents or. Or uh-huh. any, anything. I know you got a couple in there. Or maybe just what was the toughest stadium to go on the road and play in? There you go. Yeah. Uh, well, I didn't mind the booing. Actually, it picked me up. It, it, because Reggie Jackson once told me, nobody boos a nobody. So if they're booing you, they, they must respect you. So I thought it was a good sign of respect. You know, look, I mean, I had guys come up to me. Sometimes when I'm in San Francisco. I have somebody come up to me and say, hey, uh, I know who you are. And they shake my hand. They say, I, I freaking hated you when you were playing here. And I said, well, thank you very much. I think that's a sign of respect. So I kind of take it as a compliment when they say they absolutely hated my guts. Um, but I remember going into, a, uh, into Atlanta one time and, and walking uh, onto the field in batting practice. Somebody had got there early. And, and they, they, you know, the seats are, are one color when they're, when they're all folded out. And when you fold them down, when you put, put up the seat, it's a different color. So these people were pretty smart in Atlanta. What they did is, is they folded the seats into a configuration where it started right in the field, and it went all the way to the foul line, and it says, that is a, and I can't complete, I don't want to say the word, but it was a bad word. And, uh, you know, it's like, man, all I do is I just showed up to play a game today, you know, and <laughs> But they hated me in Atlanta too because we had we had tremendous rivalries with Bob Horner and you know Dale Murphy and Rafael Ramirez and all those guys, and so uh, yeah, they 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 did it kind of funny ways back then too. I don't know. Let's uh, let's play a little Wheel of Fortune here. Uh, is Sax is a you got to give us like the first letter or, or the how many letters was that? Oh oh no no I'm not even going there. I mean <laughs> we can we can play the Wheel of Fortune with someone else. But it, it's bad. This is a family show, and I'm not going to. It's, it's terrible, you know? Wow. So, yeah, it was terrible. And, and, and did they actually, those Atlanta fans, did they actually spell it uh, grammatically correct there? <laughs> yes. Yes, it wasn't very many letters. So, so they were able to spell this one correct. Oh. <laughs> I, I, thought it, I actually thought it was hilarious, you know, because they were – they were really coming after me, but uh, it's okay. You're right, though. I mean, that is the ultimate sign of respect. You're saying, hey, listen, I must be somebody if I can get under these guys' goat, right? I mean, if I can get to them like that, yeah. you and I know you, man, you'll just uh, you'll acknowledge, you'll tip the cap and say, hey, there you yeah. go. Keep bringing it on. I thought, I, thought it was, I thought it was pretty funny. And also in Atlanta, they had a guy there that was like behind the dugout. No, kind of like behind the dugout. Uh, like the on-deck circle, kind of like not behind the dugout, not behind home plate, just kind of like in between. And, uh, you know, it was in 83 when I had that throwing issue. And I would come up to bat, and on the way up to bat, this guy had like a, uh, like a prosthetic that he bought, and he put it on his shoulder, and he had a pull string on it. And every time I come up to bat, he'd be pulling this, this string with this prosthetic would be flapping it, all over the place off his shoulder, and the, and the whole crowd saw it. And they were that that guy would pull this like back and forth, and it'd be flopping all over his shoulder. And I gotta admit, it was it was absolutely hilarious. It, it was a great prank. So when you saw stuff like that, did you ever look at your teammates and say, "Don't you wish they respected you like that?" Yeah. Because I tell you right now, they never did that to Garvey, did they? <laughs> yeah, because Garvey didn't do anything bad like me. Exactly. But uh, yeah. yeah. I, they were like, oh, God, I don't want to be respected that much. That's too much. That's too much respect. 
<laughs> Steve Sachs. Affected the heck out of me. There he goes. Oh, that's great stuff, man. Good stuff. All right, uh, trading deadline here, come and gone. Uh, give me the winners. Give me yep. the losers. Uh, who improved themselves there? Uh, well, the, the, you got to say the Dodgers. I mean, get, yeah. getting Max Scherzer and Trey Turner, that is unbelievable. And really to snatch it out of, out of the hands of the San Diego Padres, who pretty much were finishing up the deal for Max Scherzer, uh, not only did they not uh, get him, the Dodgers get him, and they get Trey Turner. Now, look, if you were able to put together all the great uh, shortstops that are going to be available in free agency this year, you know, you got Baez and Correa and uh, Trevor Story, uh, Francisco Lindor signed, so he's not there, but, you know, Corey Seager. There's a million great shortstops. If you put those all together – and you added Trey Turner, who is not going to be a free agent. He's not going to be a free agent for another year. So the Dodgers have him this year and next year. Um, if you put Trey Turner in there, he's probably the best one. And that gives you some perspective on how good Trey Turner is. He is an elite player. He's got power. He, he hits for a super batting average. Uh, and, you know, and he can run. He's maybe the fastest guy in the league, him and Cody Bellinger, I would say, are probably the two fastest. Uh, and he's a great defender. So you look at uh, Trey Turner, and this guy is a miraculous, a miraculous player, just tremendous player. What do the Dodgers do with Seager? Well, I think they'll try to sign him, and if they do, then uh, Trey Turner will be where he is now. He'll be at second base, um, and uh, to go with that, and then a year after that, we'll see what happens. But yeah, Trey Turner is is going to be very, very highly coveted when he's a free agent. But I think they'll try to sign Corey Seager and. If they don't, if they don't get to sign him, then of course they have Trey Turner. Right. So they're in good shape either way. Yeah, and talk about Shearzer. I mean, just a phenomenal move by the Dodgers. And you look at this rotation right now. Uh, just obviously the, the best, you know, starting rotation in baseball. And I know a lot of people are thinking, okay, this is this is it for the Dodgers. I mean, the Giants aren't going away, but it, it seems like you know, hey, the, the Dodgers could be destined, uh, you know, to go back to back here. Yeah, well, you know, many people are thinking that. And even if they don't win the division, you know, anything can happen in a one-game playoff. And right now it's looking like it's probably going to be San Diego. If not, you know, I mean, Cincinnati's really playing well. So um, if the Dodgers get past that first round, they're, they're, I would pick them to be the people to win it. But, you know, this, this people are thinking, when are the Giants going to kind of, you know, shut it down and, and, uh, you know, kind of fall back to where they're supposed to be. But they just are an unbelievable team with a, a bunch of guys that uh, some people don't even know. At one point, they, the infield was all bench players, and yet they really handled their injuries well. And, and, and look at the Giants now. I mean, they, uh, they got the best record in, in baseball. It's just amazing what this team has been able to do. I did uh, hear in a couple places that the Giants do statistically anyhow have the toughest schedule left in baseball. So some people that might yeah. some people think that that might be the reason that the Dodgers can overtake them and the Giants will be playing in that uh, that playing game like you mentioned. But of course they didn't make a ton of moves, but they did make one big one. How much does Chris Bryant potentially help that team and maybe help them stay in first like they are right now? Yeah, he gives them a lot of options. He certainly gives them a middle-of-the-order bat, legitimate bat. He's had a pretty darn good year this year. Chris, Chris Bryant, you can plug and play with him. He can play third. He can play the outfield. He can play first base. Um, he could even play center if he had to for, for a bit. So this guy is a uh, super good athlete, and he's really found his stroke back now. So, um, you know, he's going to be a free agent too. So, you know, I don't know if the Giants are going to try to sign him back, but, uh, yeah, I think he's going to pretty good uh, do pretty good on the open market. When he becomes a free agent after this season, you look at the NL Central. You got Milwaukee and Cincinnati is in striking distance, and this Reds offense has just been phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, th- these guys can really right. score, uh, and that's a nice little story in Cincinnati as well because they haven't been relevant for quite some time. Actually, since well, you know, Dusty left to uh, manage them way back when. But uh, what do you think of of Milwaukee and Cincinnati in that Central? <laughs> Well, I think Milwaukee's going to win, maybe because they got the best pitching in that division. No question about it. Uh, they got the three guys with, with uh, you know, they're, they're, they're pitching. They're back at the end of the bullpen with Hayter and Devin Williams are, are probably the best. And uh, their starters are pretty uh, very solid, too. Cincinnati, on the other hand, they can swing it. Uh, and their pitching hasn't been, you know, nearly as good as Milwaukee. I think you can say that Tyler Malley and Wade Miley are probably the two best pitchers on that team. 
and I and I know that Luis Castillo is there, but he's had a tough year. Um, and these other two guys have really kept Cincinnati afloat, but their offense has just been amazing this year. But I think Milwaukee wins it uh, on on the uh, on the arms of their their starters. Really, really good. Keep it in the National League. Uh, the East uh, is. Uh, it's a kind of a crapshoot. I mean, you're looking at Philadelphia over there. Yeah. And several teams are kind of hanging around, but uh, still, no no one is really running away with it. Uh, give us your thoughts on the East. Well, it, it's pretty much what we thought coming out of spring training. It's going to be uh, it's going to be pretty tight all the way through. It was up to five games when Miami was you know nine and a half back. Now they're twelve and a half back. Uh, Washington is put to nine back. So really, what it is now is Philadelphia, Atlanta, and the Mets. The Mets were in first place for 90 days. 90 days the Mets were in first place, and now they've slipped down into third. Um, Atlanta is a fantastic team. They don't have Acuna. They don't have Mike Soroka. Uh, but they still got the rest of that crew that's doing really well. Freddie Freeman's back uh, to his old self and swinging the bat really well. And I think they've got enough to, to be definitely, you know, at, at, at least you know, right there with Philadelphia in the end. I think the Mets are probably going to finish where they are. Um, and I think it's going to be between uh, Atlanta and Philly. And if I had to guess, I think Atlanta's probably going to win that division. All right. Moving over to the AL real quick, Steve. Uh, you look at the AL East. Uh, you, you've got the, the Tampa Bay Rays are still taking care of business right now. 68-44, and 44, four games up on the Red Sox. Yankees are six games back. Is this the Rays uh, you know, race to lose? Or do you think Boston or the Yankees make a run here? I don't think Boston is. I think uh, I think Boston's in the midst of a colossal collapse right now. They've lost eight of ten, and uh, I think there's more to come. I think the Yankees are really on a good high right now. The Yankees have won eight of ten, the exact opposite of Boston, and that's why the Yankees are only six back. About two weeks ago, the Yankees were ten and a half back and looking pretty dismal. Uh, since then, they've gotten some an infusion of good young support uh, on their team with Stephen Riding out of the bullpen and and, and Kerner. Uh, these guys have done a great job out of the bullpen. We saw we saw that Luis uh, Heal uh, came in and pitched a tremendous game that really elevated his status in the organization. Uh, and they're going to get Severino back. So I think if you look at all that, the Yankee pitch is only going to get better. Uh, and they've got guys swinging the bat now. Um, and you know, getting getting Joey Gallo over there, I think was a good thing. Uh, but how about a, how about what it's done with with Anthony um, Anthony Rizzo? He's been a big shot in the arm for the Yankees. They need left-handed uh, hitting, and he's not only a home run hitter; he's a really good hitter, and that's what the Yankees needed. In the AL Central right now, the White Sox are kind of running away with it again. They didn't make a ton of moves, but they did pick up Kimbrel from the Cubs. Um, how realistic are their chances once the playoff starts, assuming that they do hold on to this lead, which right now looks pretty comfortable? Yeah, they got, they got Kimbrell and Liam Hendricks in the back to, uh, to finish yeah. that thing off. That's as good as Hader and, and Williams, maybe better. Um, I picked the White Sox in spring training to go to the World Series. I still think they're going to uh, in the American League. Uh, I'm not sure about the National League, but I think that the White Sox are going to be a, the team that can go to the World Series. But anything can happen. You know, in a short uh, in a short playoff season, but the White Sox are going to be able to set their rotation. They're going to be able to set some guys that may be ailing. Aloy Jimenez coming back from the DL is a great thing for the team. Middle of the order bat that can terrorize pitchers, uh, and I think he's going to be big down the stretch for this team. And this team can really pitch, so they've got everything. They check every box. I still think they're going to the World Series. All right, and out over in the West, I mean, you got the Astros still with a two-game lead. They were up five and a half over the A's, but. Uh, as I saw firsthand, the Astros lost three out of four uh, to the Minnesota Twins. A's are starting to put it together again, Steve. Uh, what do you think about that division and that race? Yeah, that's a two-team race. That's between Houston and, and Oakland. I know there's a lot of noise uh, being made by Seattle, but they've kind of come back a little bit. Um, they've, uh, they've lost six of their last ten, and so I think they're going to be muted out a little bit. I don't think they can hold, uh, hold it that long, but it's going to be good between Houston and Oakland. Uh, you know, these two teams, uh, in some ways, are are built the same way. They can they can they can do everything. They can field. They can. They're a really good hitting team, uh, and the pitching's good. So they they uh, they're what made up good ab- about the American League. But Houston can really swing the bat. This team is tied with uh, with uh, Toronto for the best in all of baseball as far as going out. They hunt the fastball well, and they don't strike out very much. They put the ball in play, and that's key to key to win a game. So which team tore themselves down the most after the trade deadline? Is it Washington or is it the Cubs? Because both of these teams, they I look pathetic. The Cubs, I, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, they are going to continue to look pathetic uh, because they they just uh, can, you know really did wave the white flag. Uh, the Cubs certainly did with all the sales that sales that they had there, uh, and so did Washington. I mean, uh, it's uh, they know it's time to uh, rebuild, go with some fresh young talent. Maybe they can sign some guys back in the off season uh, and, and uh, get it back on the team. I highly doubt it. I think they're going to go young and uh, see what they can do by building it up over the next few years. All right, man. We will let you go. Uh, you can catch him on Sirius XM MLB Radio Network XM eighty nine, and of course, Sacks in the Morning, his podcast. Uh, you got the short vignettes, so uh, at three times a week, and then every other Thursday, you got the long form programming. He's got it all. There right. it is. Go check it out. Tell them how they can find you, man. Go to their favorite podcast provider and uh, type in Sacks in the Morning, and you're there. Of course, it's free. Of course. And you're having a lot of fun doing this, too, aren't you? I love it. I love it. I'm having a great time doing this. So uh, go there and enjoy it. Get something from it. It'll help your day. All right, man. A little name that tune for you right now as we send you out. Go ahead, Steve Sack. You talked a little Beach Boys uh, earlier in the show. Yeah. Last time we Let's had you talk a little Steppenwolf. Let's see what you got, Numchuck. What do you got? Oh, well, that's, come on, that's a no-brainer. That's too easy. And, and, it, and it's a horrible song, too. Sax, can you hear this? You hear what he's playing here? That's Ziggy Stardust. No, is, 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 that, is that that band called Quake the Snake? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Nupcha, you could have pulled anything. No. You could have pulled anything out and you no, pulled you know out that is? garbage? Ziggy Stardust, no, called, really? David called, Bowie? It's called... It's called White Snake Quake. <laughs> hey, next time we have him on, we got to get Quake on. Okay, that's it. We got we yeah. got to do a three way. Have, have have Quake sneak away yeah. on like maybe a food break or whatever out of out of work. I, I don't, if he can get out of his cubicle. I don't know if he. I don't know if he could wedge his way out of his cubicle when he has the Quake break. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, do a Quake break. That's right. This is more Saxon speed though, right here. There you go. <laughs> Okay, we'll give you a little some stones. All right, brother, we'll be oh, good, yeah, man. I know that is. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay, man. Well, so you got, that's painted black. Painted black. There you go. Of course. There you go. All right, my man. Yeah. Be good. We'll talk to you later. Take there care. Steve Sachs, the uh, two time World Series champ, the five time All Star, having fun with his podcast, Sachs in the Morning. And of course, you can catch him part of the MLB Network radio coverage on XM89. Now, in Numchuck's defense, when he heard that Sachs in the Morning was free, he started thinking about everything he spent at speed dial three, and he was a little bit thrown off. Yeah. <laughs> All right, get ready. We're going to go to Champa Bay reluctantly here from TJ Reeves. He's at training camp covering the Buccaneers, talking about the Rays. And we got terrible Tuesday takes. Don't you dare go anywhere on this terrible Tuesday.